Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. I am really excited to share with you today's podcast. It's perfect for the upcoming holiday season. But before we dive in, I have some kick-ass housekeeping paraphernalia to go over with you. Myself and master healer Amy Ray are starting a new club. This is a sacred community of sisters. We have actually been trying to do this for over two years. I came up with this idea many years ago, and we just got in the thick of it with, you shouldn't do it, nobody cares, nobody is, you know, interested, And I let the voice of unreason kind of step in and then I got sidetracked. So I'm super excited to say that we have come back around full circle. And this is a note from Amy herself about how she really feels about what the point of Elevate is going to be. A sister circle is not a luxury. It is essential to emotional and spiritual health. Our circle is sacred, private, and warm. This club feeds the hunger for ritual that celebrates the divine feminine within all of us and feeds the hunger to be witnessed, seen, and heard without being managed or rescued. Through our club, we will provide healing and transformation, and for some women, their only opportunity to tap into such a community is via an online club, and that club is now. That club is Elevate. Together, let's elevate as sisters, the sisters we are, because behind every strong woman is a shit ton of dope-ass women supporting her, celebrating her, and helping her rise. So ladies, and I guess in gents, if you're interested, if you are wanting more information or to be a part of this amazing dope-ass circle, email us. I've got an email that I've just put together, elevate at thegatescompany.com to get on the wait list now. We'll be sending out an email shortly, maybe in a month to six weeks, probably closer to a month with more details. And hey, if you sign up now before January, you'll get your first month free. So what do you have to lose? All right. Today's guest is going to blow your mind. His name is Todd White of Dry Farm Wines, and I actually met him two years ago at a conference, and I finally had a chance this past August to snag him real quick and talk to him about Dry Farm Wines. Now listen, this isn't like any other wine, and this goes beyond the label of, you know, organic. You think, oh, well, if it's organic, it's really good and it's healthy. No, no, no. This wine is delicious, natural, healthy, And they actually bottle it with love. No, seriously. The energy of love is placed in every bottle. I freaking love it. I love their mission. I love what their purpose is. And I have had this wine. 
It is so delicious. It's crisp and it actually tastes good. You're not tasting alcohol. You're actually tasting the grape, not that mummified liquidy stuff that you buy from the big guys. The thing is, is that the stuff from the big guys pales in comparison to what wine should really be. And after this podcast, you're going to understand and see wine completely differently. And if you like the channel, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review about today's show. I'd love to hear about your thoughts about, you know, what you thought wine was, what it should be, and maybe try a bottle. Todd has a kick-ass promotion at the end of the show today where you can get a bottle of Dry Farm Wines for one penny. Are you kidding me? It's a no-brainer. All right, are you ready? Let's do this. Thank you for joining us today on Home Energy Design. I am so excited to share with you Todd White of Dry Farms Wine. Hi, Todd. Hey, Amanda. Great to be here today. Excited to share some uh, fun facts and also some not so fun facts about wine and alcohol. Yeah, well, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is, you know, it's holiday season. And, you know, I share on this podcast quite a bit, uh, this idea of personal chi and how we need to take care of ourselves and, and really cultivate our chi to be our best selves. And, you know, what we put in our bodies is so important. That's why I wanted to have you on today, because I know a lot of people like to have a little glass of vino every once in a while. But before we dive into that, I'm just curious, you know, have you always been in the wine business? How did you, how'd you start this? No, most of my career, I've been a real estate developer or real estate services. And so, but I've always been immensely interested in health and wellness and, and, you know, what I refer to as biohacking. So finding sort of shortcuts to living a better life neurologically and biologically. So as a result, I've experimented with a lot of biohacks and this wine company really came as a result of my experimentation and commitment to living a ketogenic diet lifestyle. And so I became ketogenic about four and a half years ago. And for those who don't know, ketogenic is basically very low carb, moderate protein, high fat diet and uh, to, supreme, to support brain health primarily. But it has a lot of other ancillary benefits. One of the side effects is weight loss. And that's why I was experimenting with it at the time was to break through a small weight loss plateau. So anyway, when I got committed to really this type of nutritional programming, I found I couldn't drink traditional wines anymore. I didn't know why. I thought it was just the alcohol level at first uh, before I really biohacked wine and discovered what we'll talk about about what's going on in modern wines and what's wrong with them and why you shouldn't be drinking them but so anyway that's that's basically how i got started i was was have been a lifelong wine drinker since i was in my teens and i just uh had to stop drinking wine for a while wines were making me sick giving me terrible hangovers and brain fog so I began this kind of discovery process, which led me to the wines or the type of wines, which are known as natural wines. There's only four or 500 farms in the world that grow these wines, primarily in Europe. And uh, so this is a bit of a stumbling accidental discovery, but I was really looking for lower alcohol wines. Alcohol is a very dangerous neurotoxin. It also interrupts our sleep and interrupts our chi, if you will. 
And so it's really important that we think about dosing or the dosage of alcohol when we do drink. And so I got focused on these low alcohol wines and then kind of fell into the next extension, which was natural made wines. And people say, well, aren't all wines natural? In fact, they're not. And we can talk more about that, what that means. But so that's, that's basically how it got started. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating. And I went to your talk in August in San Diego and everything that you were saying, you know, I've been a, a, I'm not an avid wine drinker, but I will occasionally have a glass and all of the side effects, if you will, that you were talking about, the, the brain fog, the headaches, um, I would even get tingling in my feet at night when I would go to bed that would keep me up. And it took me a minute to put two and two together, but I think it's the sulfites and, and the high alcohol level. But a lot of what you were talking about with dry farm wines is this idea of the, the natural winemaking process. And, you know, you guys are really, really different in the way that you approach winemaking. Um, it's really how wine should be made. But, you know, what really makes you different from the big guys? Why? Why are you so different and what are your practices that make you different that makes it a, a lot more healthier? Well, the way our wines are made or the way wines were made up until about 50 years ago. So all wines were naturally made and unirrigated. And we'll talk about irrigation in a moment. Uh, all wines were made that way until about 50 years ago. But what's happened over the last 50 years and in particular the last 20 or 30 years is that there's been massive corporate consolidation. So the same thing that's happened in our food supply has happened in the wine supply. So there's been massive corporate consolidation. 70% of all the wines made in the United States are made by just the top 30 companies and over 50% are made by the top three. Now, your audience doesn't know about that because these multi-billion dollar conglomerates hide behind slick marketing campaigns and thousands of brands and labels to have you believe that you're drinking from a farmhouse or a chateau. In fact, you're drinking from a massive factory, probably located in, in the Lodi Valley, Valley in Central California. So here's the difference. Natural wines are a very specific wine growing protocol and wine making protocol. But natural wines are primarily grown, they're not really made because nothing really happens in the cellar. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Here's what's happening in commercial wines. You've got massive industrial farming practices. Um, you've got 76 FDA approved additives, 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking in the United States. Now your audience doesn't know about that because the wine industry has kept it a dark, dirty secret. And how they've done that is they've spent tens of millions of dollars in lobby money to keep contents labeling off of wine. So wine is the only major food group without a contents label on it. If it had a contents label on it, it would look just like the rest of processed foods you try to avoid. It'd have a whole bunch of chemicals and additives that you have no idea what they are, right? And these can range from heavy metals, copper sulfates, uh, uh, aluminum sulfate. It, it can have um, color agents, stabilizers, body agents, all kinds of things that, that uh, poisons, actually, there's one additive that 
when it's applied, it's used to treat the most common bacterial um, <clears throat> error or fault in wine called Brettamyces. This chemical, when brought into the winery to apply to the wine, has to be applied by a specially contracted firm. That's all they do. They come in in hazmat suits. Nobody else can be in the winery at the time or for 24 hours afterwards. They treat the wine. It's highly toxic. If you drank the wine within 24 hours of treatment, you would die, right? And so the federal government allows for up to 200 parts per million of this toxic chemical to be left in, re in, in residual form in the wine, and it's still legal. So these are the kind of things. It's not only the alcohol. But we talk about alcohol. Alcohol in American wines has been increasing steadily over the last 20 years, right? So alcohol in American wines used to be 12 to 13%. It's now nearly 15%. It's been creeping up every single year. Now your audience probably doesn't pay much attention to the alcohol in a bottle of wine. It makes a huge difference. As I mentioned, alcohol is a very dangerous neurotoxin. And so it also makes a huge difference in how you feel and it makes a huge difference in driving dehydration which is one of the primary attributes to a hangover or waking up in the middle of the night, um, needing something to drink, you can't go back to sleep because now that monkey mind gets busy and you're thinking about some other kind of issue in your life in the middle of the night. So I try to avoid waking up. Um, I like to use meditation to fix the monkey mind anyway, but, but these higher alcohol, the industry likes alcohol. So the wine industry likes rising alcohol levels. Alcohol is addictive, and it also impairs your judgment in the amount that you drink. It's a slippery slope, or what we call a domino drug. So the higher the dose of alcohol, the more alcohol you drink, the more you're likely to drink, right? It kind of pulls you in. So the industry actually loves alcohol, and the American palate also likes alcohol because the, the, most of the American palate, if they're eating processed foods and on a standard American diet, the sad diet, if they're eating a standard American diet, then, you know, their palate is pretty dead. And so alcohol is a way to cut through that kind of dull, dead palate. Alcohol translates as rich and warm and, and even sweet in a way. And so alcohol has all, but the problem is it's not healthy for you. So this is the reason that we focus only on low alcohol wines. So our wines range from 6% at the low side up to a maximum of 12 and a half. Most of the wine I drink is between nine and 11%. And so these wines are also friendlier with foods and they're much healthier. And so, and they taste better and you've drank them, they're cleaner, right? And so for the people who pursue a clean, healthy lifestyle, this cleaner taste is appealing to them. So natural wines, on the other hand, have the following attributes. And a couple of them are very, very important. So natural wines are unirrigated. That's called dry farming, the name of our company. So all of our, all of our wines are dry farmed. The problem with irrigation, and we could go down a long wormhole in irrigation, we don't have time, but a couple of highlights there's several problems with irrigation, and I'll tell you why you irrigate in a moment, but several problems with irrigation. So irrigation lowers the polyphenols in wine, 
the healthy antioxidants because it dilutes them because when you fill the berry with water, the grape berry, right, it dilutes the antioxidant value. It also dilutes the flavor and character of the wine. It also dilutes the, it also significantly reduces the struggle that the vine has with growing. And this is a really important part of developing proper flavor and character in the fruit. So an unirrigated grapevine can have root structures 40 or 50 feet deep, tiny capillaries struggling, looking for tiny particles of nutrient and water, right? An irrigated grapevine has a root ball that's about two or three feet in diameter, a little more than three feet deep, right? That's it, because it gets all of its water and nutrient in the way of liquid nitrogen from a little drip hose just above the trunk. So the roots are not going anywhere to look for anything because everything they need is coming right from, right from just above where the trunk is. Now, the problem with that is that it produces a lazy vine. Lazy vine produces lazy, you know, poor fruit. Uh, the problem with that is that, and this is what's happening all over the world, but more than 99% of U.S. vineyards are now irrigated. There was no irrigation in grape farming in the United States until 1972. Before that, all grapevines in the United States were also unirrigated. As grapevines have been growing unirrigated around the world in all types of climates for more than 10,000 years. But here's why you irrigate. It's about money and greed. So when you irrigate a grapevine, you get a higher yield on the vine, and you get fruit that weighs more because it's filled with water. Fruit is sold by the ton. So that's, that's, this is why you irrigate. And so when you, here's the, 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 the kind of in the short description of why irrigation is such a big deal, is that when a vine when a vine is irrigated and the fruit berries, the grape berries are filled with water, they have to get riper, higher sugar content. We'll talk about sugar next. They have to get riper in order to develop proper phenolic flavor in order to taste good in the wine. Now, the problem with them getting riper, because if they don't have to not fill with water, they have a more dense flavor, don't require as much sugar in the fruit to drive flavor. Right, so here's the problem with sugar in the fruit. When wine is made, and this is gonna answer the most common question we get, which is how are your wines sugar-free, which we haven't talked about that yet, but one of the attributes of our wines is that they're sugar-free, and we lab test every wine to ensure that it's sugar-free. We're also lab testing for a number of other attributes. But here's how wine is made. Fruit juice is, pressed from the, from the grape, and uh, it is inoculated with yeast, either native or genetically modified commercial yeast. Gonna talk about that in a moment. I know this is a deep dive wormhole here, but I'm just trying to give your audience a lesson on kind of what's happened, you know, what's happening here and why this is so important to understand. That's why you're on. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot here, but so it's, the grape juice is inoculated if it's a natural wine, it's always inoculated with the native yeast that are already present in the tank. And that's really important. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But here's how you get wine. 
the yeast eats the available sugar. And as the yeast is eating the sugar, imagine kind of a Pac-Man kind of a thing, the yeast is eating the sugar, the byproduct of that is carbon dioxide and ethyl alcohol. So that's how wine is made. Now, if and how our wines become sugar-free, if the winemaker allows the fermentation to complete, and it is a healthy fermentation that completes, all of the yeast, the yeast will eat all of the available sugar. And when the yeast complete that process, there's no sugar left, the yeast will die. The wine is then sugar-free. What's happening in commercial wines is two things with the yeast. First of all, they don't work with these native, natural, wild yeast that are indigenous to the vineyard where the fruit is grown. So every grape, every wine grape in the world has yeast on the skin. It collects through the air. But what happens in commercial winemaking, and that's virtually all winemaking, when I say commercial, that means not natural. And remember, there's hundreds of thousands of labels and wines in the world, only about 500 natural farms in the world. And Dry Farm Wines, my company, is the largest buyer of natural, of natural wines in the world. So what's happening in the fermentation process in commercial wines, everything you see in the store, is that the very first thing the winemaker does is pour sulfur dioxide into the juice to kill the native yeast to prevent a spontaneous fermentation. Once they've killed the native yeast, they then inoculate the juice with genetically modified commercial lab-grown yeast. Now, the reason they do this, there are two primary reasons. Three, two, and then kind of a third. First, these commercial lab-grown yeast are very sturdy. They're commercial. They're easy to work with. Uh, native yeast, wild yeast, are very fragile and temperamental to work with. And you can't make wine in very large quantities using these native yeast. The commercial yeast, this genetically modified yeast, is very sturdy and hardy and easy to work with. Number two, they will withstand high alcohol levels, up to 20% alcohol. A native yeast will die somewhere around 13.5% or 14% alcohol. And so that's another reason. And the third reason is these genetically modified commercial yeast actually are developed to have certain flavor profiles. So let's say, for example, that you're making wine in Central California, but you want to have a Mediterranean, you want to taste like an Italian wine. Well, you can buy yeast for that, right? And so it's been modified to have these flavor profiles. So all this modification, we believe, is unhealthy for you and I. Um, and so all of our wines, natural wines, are unirrigated. They are fermented with wild native yeast. Uh, They're usually almost always old vines. That's also very important for the character of the fruit. Old, the problem with old vines, though, for commercial winemakers, and the reason that the average age of a vine in California is 14 years, the average age of vines we work with about 65 years, that after, after around the 14th or 15th year, the yield on the vine decreases by about 30%. So it's a significant decrease in yield. The older the plant gets, the less yield it has, but we believe the higher quality fruit. But of course, 
in commercial wine production, it's not about quality, it's, it's about quantity and it's about profit. And so that's, uh, in, addition to, in addition to that, it's added, all of our wines are additive free and they're sugar free as I talked about. And we do lab tests for all of these attributes. Now covering sulfites finally on this one point, when commercial wines are bottled, they get a large dose of sulfur dioxide. They may see sulfur dioxide several times in the process. Remember, I mentioned sulfur dioxide, which becomes sulfites in wine. Sulfur dioxide is used to kill the native yeast. That's the first time that, uh, that the wine will be dosed with sulfur dioxide. It could get another dose in between, but at bottling, it always gets a dose, pretty hefty dose to kill the wine to sterilize the wine and to McDonaldize it, we say, make it this shelf kind of, you, you know, how you get, how you're familiar with a wine brand, say X winery, and it kind of always tastes the same and you kind of identify with it because you like it. Well, natural wines are not like that vintage to vintage because there's wild variability between vintages because they don't kill the wine. So, and there's no additives. So the sulfur dioxide sterilizes the wine. There are two problems with that. One, it also kills off gut-friendly microbiome that are found in natural wines because they haven't been sterilized. Commercial wines do not contain these same bacteria that have been killed. Second problem is that it robs the wine of soul and it makes many people feel bad and significantly affects the taste of the wine. And so this... Uh, we also test for, for sulfites in wine. So all wines, doesn't matter whether they're natural or have added sulfites or not, all wines contain some sulfite. It is a byproduct of the fermentation process. So the question is, did it get extra sulfite added? And sulfites in wine can be as high as naturally occurring 75 parts per million. The United States government allows up to 350 parts per million in wine. We do not allow more than 70 parts per million, uh, which can be, can be naturally occurring at that level. Most of our wines test between five and 20 parts per million. These are all naturally occurring. So anyway, that's sort of what's happening, you know, given our pretty limited 40 minute time span that, you know, we could talk about any of these topics at greater length, but that's you know, sort of at 10,000 feet, what's wrong with commercial wines and, you know, what and how natural wine differs. Yeah. And I think it's a, a fascinating conversation that needs to be had because I, I do think, you know, I had a little bit of knowledge just because I'm in the health world and, and, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to find, new ways to elevate our chi and, you know, overall health and well-being. How can we be better meditators? How can we, you know, cultivate self and, and cultivate our homes and, you know, the foods that we ingest and the liquids that we ingest are a huge part of that. And so when I went to your talk, I was intuitively, you know, when you said that the alcohol was increasing, I was like, you know, that's funny. I've noticed that, like, but I didn't know why. And I didn't know why when I would drink wine, you know, I can usually drink a glass, but yeah, I would have side effects. I would get headaches and my feet would tingle. And 
um, the brain fog and the dry mouth. And, you know, two years in a row, I've gone to this event in San Diego and, and I've had dry farm wines and it has a very clean, crisp, fresh uh, palette to it. It's, it, it's divine. It, it's really, really good wine. And I, I think what's so intriguing about it is this past August, I had, um, it was the Saturday, it, or maybe it was the Friday night party. It was the, the dress up party that we had for the, sure. <laughs> yeah, the seventies party. Uh, you know, I think I had three glasses of wine and it was enjoyable. I actually really liked it and it was really good. And you know, I, I didn't get the funny feelings. I didn't, I wasn't hung over. I felt fine the next day, um, which I think is remarkable. And you know, I, what I'm hearing from you is it, what it really sounds like is it's coming down to greed, but I just, it's like a no brainer. I don't understand why other wine companies aren't doing this. I mean, it, you know, it there's just, no money in it. You can't scale the production of natural wine, right? These are made by small family farms, um, primarily in Europe. And, uh, we have six producers in South Africa, about 300 at, across spread across various parts of Europe. Uh, we don't sell any domestic wine. There's no domestic wines that are made in the United States that meet all of our criteria, right? And our criteria is above just being natural wine. So we have an alcohol limit. It has to be sugar-free. Not all natural wines are sugar-free, right? Not all natural wines meet our alcohol levels. Uh, our wines are also very affordable. Uh, domestic wines oftentimes don't fit pricing criteria for our customers. So our wines are $22 a bottle. Right, so for a handcrafted, organic, uh, artisan fine wine product that's extremely affordable, right? And so, there. There's so we, unfortunately, we don't sell any domestic wines, but these are these these wines. You can't make. You can't scale the production of natural wines. So they're you know these are just small family farms. The other thing about this, the other thing is really magical about this wine when you're talking about it. And its taste is its vibrancy. Right, because it's not been mummified or sterilized with sulfur dioxide, it it has an energy about it. It's still alive, right? It has spirit, and I mean, it has it has, you know, there's an energy about it. There's a taste about it. There's a soulfulness about it that's just different than what you know as wine. And so, it's it's a living thing because it hasn't been killed, and so it's. You know, it just has this magnificent sort of energy about it. And that's, that's, I mean, that was another thing that was like so startling when I first discovered all this is like, oh, wow, the buzz is cleaner, it's lighter, it's fresher, you feel more energy. Um, it, it's just not, it's just not the same as what I had always known as drinking wine. And so, look, I want that energy. I want that. Wine is, wine is this beautiful thing natural wines. Uh, but, you know, wine, most of the other wines are so poisonous now, I can't, I just can't even drink them. But wine is a beautiful thing in its, in its, in its natural, historic way. And, and how I think about wine is around the dinner table, right? So I don't drink during the daytime. I don't recommend that other people drink during the daytime for a variety of reasons. But, you know, around the dinner table with family or friends, new or old, you know, opening wine in this kind of community spirit and enjoying wine and the 
the euphoria and the creative expression that it releases and this window of vulnerability that rolls down just a little bit that allows us to be more emotionally available, right? And when we're more emotionally available, we can connect to that love and that spirit with each other. And anytime we can share more love, right? This is, this in my view is the best way to live. And so wine sort of enables this kind of connection between people and this elevation of euphoria, this kind of burying ourselves a bit and making ourselves a little bit more emotionally available. And of course, around food and the community of the table, it's just a beautiful thing. And so I, I think any excuse to find more love or spread more love with, with people that you connect with is, is kind of the underlying purpose of, of our human experience is to love and be loved. And so that's, you know, wine's very helpful with that. Hell yeah. I mean, if that's not a testament for connection and community, I don't know what is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It really reminds me, you have this beautiful quote on your website. It says, when wine is alive and free from overreaching modern influence, the wine will whisper in nature's perfect logic and design. I mean, that pretty much sums up what you were just talking about, the, the aliveness and the energy. Um, Look, also think, you know, when you think about alcohol, and you think about doses of alcohol, well, I mean, so I don't drink spirits. It's very, you know, it's very, spirits are touted in the paleo and part of the health movement, particularly tequila, because it's distilled, it's made from a plant. And I was like, okay, well, it's 45% alcohol. So I don't drink spirits because it's simply too high in alcohol. And beer is out for a whole bunch of reasons, not particularly for me, even gluten, but it's more importantly, the type of sugar that's found in beer, whether it's a gluten-free beer or, or a gluten beer, most beers contain gluten, but there are some gluten-free, but there's a specific type of sugar called maltose sugar, which goes, travels straight to the liver and converts immediately to fat, which is the reason people have beer guts, um, is because of this type of sugar that's in beer. And I'm sugar-free. Uh, being ketogenic, I also think sugar is public health enemy number one. So, so we, which is the reason our wines are, are sugar-free, but when you think about the different alcohol beverages that you can drink, you know, choosing a wine, a low-alcohol wine, sugar-free wine, in our view, is the best option. Here's the other terribly unique thing about wine that brings its spirit and magic to wine, and the reason wine has a spiritual quality when it's not been killed it has a spiritual kind of magical quality. And the reason that it translates the spirit of the farmer and the place that it's grown known as terroir, the reason that, the reason it translates that is because wine is the only alcoholic beverage that is both grown and fermented and produced by the same farmer. Right, so everything else is grown by one person and produced by another, right? But a natural wine captures the spirit and energy of the farm and the place where it's grown and the farmer, right? Because all natural wines are organic or biodynamic and, you know, and have this obsession with living soils and of the earth and how the earth relates to the vine and how the wine taste like the place where it's from 
right? Which in, which in French is, or worldwide, it's known as terroir. So this wine is very unique in this respect in that it is grown and fermented and produced all by the same person, right? And so it's got this kind of fingerprint of the family farm in every bottle. I mean, assuming it hasn't been killed, I'm talking about natural wines, right? This is not true in commercial wines. Commercial wines, the same thing goes on in, in all other. In commercial wines, you've got these massive industrial farming complexes, and then you've got factories where the wine is made, right? It's not the grower, it's not the grower, and the, the, the same person growing is not, you know, not making the wine. It's like you've got farmers, some of them contracts, some of them just big corporate conglomerate farming, and then you've got winemakers uh, who, um, <clears throat> who, then this is very unique. I, you know, if, if your audience looks at like, notices any wine press, like in, in a newspaper or a wine magazine or in a food or wine magazine, in American wines, you've got these kind of cult winemakers. So it's kind of the feature on the winemaker, like here's this famous winemaker. Well, in natural wines, it doesn't work that way because wine natural wines are grown not made and so the guy who grows the wine is really the wine grower right he's the one who's making the wine because the wine's made in the vineyard because he's not doing anything to it when it comes into the cellar he's just fermenting it which is just a matter of doing nothing but pressing the juice out of it because again when it ferments it spontaneously ferments with the native yeast that's already in the tank so really wine is grown not made naturally and again, this is how wines were made all across the world until about 50 years ago. So it was, this is the way all wines were made. But then with commercialization and scale and profits, then the whole thing became something different. Yeah, and I think you really bring up a good point. Another thing that I talk about a lot as a, a feng shui practitioner is the importance of you know, the sense of community that we have just with our immediate family. And when you're cooking and prepping and chopping your food, you know, it's about this level of, you know, really being present and not being scattered and thinking about your day and all the things that went wrong and driving that energy into the food. Um, it's more about focusing on the love uh, that's behind the food and the love and the energy that's behind it. And I think that What's so amazing about Dry Farm Wines is it's that principle. It's the idea that there is the care and the love and the spirit of the farmer that's going into the wine um, and the care and the love that he has of producing that season of wine and putting that literally in a bottle that you can share with your friends and family. I mean, it's that simple but it's such a difference in energy. And like you said, you can drink mummified wine or you can drink real natural uh, wine that's made with love. I mean, we're talking it about- huge, It makes a huge difference. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use a really, really simple illustration of, of how important this concept is that you're talking about. And this really has to do with, so think about this. When you go to the farmer's market, right? And you look at produce, right? That is produced by these small family farms. And this produce is so amazingly vivid, right? And of course, it's all organic, as is the produce at Whole Foods. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But, you know, so it's like, the, it's just so alive. I mean, it's just like, it looks unreal. It's just so beautiful. And the colors are so vibrant. And the, the everything is just 
just picture perfect, right? You know the look I'm talking about at the farmer's market, right? Like the vegetables are incredible, right? Yeah, they, they've been loved on. They've been loved on in living soils, right? Now, you, do, you go to Whole Foods, right, where the, or where the vegetables are also organic, but they don't look anything like the ones at the farmer's market, right? Nor do and, they taste that good. No, they don't taste anything, but they are organic. And so just because a wine is organic doesn't mean that it's natural. It doesn't mean that it even got the love that a natural wine got at a small family farm. And I think this illustration of your, your audience has been the farmer's market. They know how beautiful, they know how textural those vegetables and fruits are. And then they see the same thing, also organic and say whole foods. And it looks nothing, does not resemble at all that family love that happens on a small family farm. And that, that's, that's the fingerprint, that's the, that's the signature of love on that small farm, right? And so I, I think it's a great illustration of the differences. Without a doubt. And one of the things that I talk about a lot is, you know, uh, Dr. Emoto, Masaru Emoto uh, in the 90s proved that, you know, our, our words and our language and our emotions matter and the things around us that we imprint with those emotions and words and vibrations. And so it's really indicative of when you are growing something that, that matters and you have the ancestral line, the heritage that's, that's literally bottled in that wine, you're ingesting that. You're, you're ingesting that love and that ancestry that you're not going to get from Mandavi or any of the big guys. You're just not going to get that. You're literally consuming greed uh, and profit margins and toxins. And so I think that, you know, when we're talking about our chi and how we care for ourselves and not just from a health standpoint, but from an energy standpoint, I think something like dry farm wines is, is so important because it really is um, opening up that, love and community and connection with those around you. Um, and it's such a tight knit community. You know, it's not, it's not this ever expanding thing that you get from the, the big guys. Um, and I, that's why I wanted to share this during the holidays. I wanted to uh, enlighten my audience on what's available to them and why it matters um, and why you guys are doing something that I think is extraordinary um, I think this truly matters, and, and I hope that everybody takes advantage. Uh, you were mentioning a minute ago um, about promotions and some special things that you do. Well, we, have, we have a special promotion for your audience. We only do this promotion with influencers, like I do probably 100 podcasts a year. We only offer this. We, this is not offered on our website, um, <clears throat> nor do we offer it to anywhere outside of, of influencers who are helping people to experience a better life. So when they place an order uh, through this link, they can get a one penny bottle of wine. So it's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's just a penny. We would give it away for free, except it's illegal to give alcohol away for free. So, it's, so we charge one penny for it. You can find that offer to experience this extraordinary wine at Dry Farm wines.com forward slash Amanda Gates. Again, that's dryfarmwines.com forward slash Amanda Gates. And, uh, and that'll take you to a page where you can get the, the uh, penny bottle. 
Yeah, and I want everybody who's listening today to take advantage of this. Um, I've experienced Todd's wine. It is, it's extraordinary. And you, I, I, the only way that you're going to experience what I'm talking about, about the crispness, the freshness, um, the aliveness of the wine, and just the difference of the taste and the flavor as opposed to a, a big wine uh, without all of the, the spirit and energy behind it. Um, and I think it's the perfect time with it being the holidays to bring people together and to enjoy connection and community together over a delicious and amazing uh, bottle of wine. Um, Todd, I want to thank you for coming on today and sharing this just extraordinary amount of information about wine. Like I said, I think that this really matters. If people want to learn more about you and uh, Dry Farm Wines, where can they go? Well, on social media, all social media, we are Dry Farm Wines. And my email is Todd, T-O-D-D, at dryfarmwines.com. Or um, they can go to our website, dryfarmwines.com, and, uh, and learn more. So any way we can be of service or assistance, we're standing by and ready to spread the love. Yes, I love it. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. I appreciate you having me today, and uh, I wish everybody a happy holiday. I hope that you have enjoyed this show today. I am so blown away by Todd's mission and their amazing wine. Again, if you want to take advantage of that promotion, it is dryfarmwines.com forward slash Amanda Gates. It's a no-brainer. Get a bottle of wine for a penny. I mean, enjoy uh, just an amazing tasting, fresh, crisp glass of wine. I promise you, when you taste the difference and see what wine should be, you're going to notice that that other stuff is pretty gross. It's high in alcohol, and when I drink it, that's all I taste. And I just want to leave you with, they've got this uh, amazing uh, information on their website that talks more about what they do, why they do it, and I really love their mission. They talk about how they are connecting the world with nature's bounty, and I really resonate with this because I feel like we have really lost our connection with Mama Earth. I feel like we have lost our connection to the natural rhythms of Mama Earth, and I feel like this process of making wine is, is really getting us back to basics. And so it says on their website, connecting the world with nature's bounty. We believe that the preservation of expansion of family farming is integral to our mission to connect more people with nature's whole pure bounties that optimize health and pleasure. We are committed to financially supporting farmers and artisans who share our passion and purpose who are dedicated to nature's magic and the beauty that is the expression of authenticity in this craft. They truly, truly believe and understand what it means to get back to basics and to get away from this big pharma stuff, whether it's in wine, in food, even in medicine. I think we really need to get back to the basics and Todd has nailed it with Dry Farm Wine. So I encourage all of you to take advantage of this promo. Um, and enjoy a delicious glass with friends and family and, you know, reconnect, regroup, have a moment. I think we all deserve it. All right, everyone. I hope that you have enjoyed this show today. I know I did, and I've got a plethora of education. Um, I feel like I'm armed and ready to uh, better understand wine. 
If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show today and, you know, what your thoughts are about wine. I know that um, I thought that I was pretty educated on it. And then after meeting Todd, I realized, wow, we're really left in the dark about a lot of things. So let us know your feedback. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us at letschat at thegatescompany.com. You can find out more information on our website, which is gatesinteriordesign.com. And if you would like more information or would like to join Elevate, which will be launching in January, you can email us at elevate at thegatescompany.com. We would love to have you join our circle. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy, well, never lies. 